Well, good morning, and thanks for joining us here. My name's Rick. I'm the campus pastor. And did anyone live a part of their childhood in the 80s or 90s? Anyone? You, live, you, you would consider yourself, oh, yeah, we got a big, a big majority of us here. We would live our childhood in the 80s and 90s, and you would have tracked along with the story of a little girl. Yeah, and don't feel bad if you didn't grow up in the 80s and 90s. You're still welcome to join with us. We're still, uh, <clears throat> we'll slow it down this morning for you. Uh, no. <laughs> you would have, <laughs> we would <laughs> You would have tracked along, even if, even if you weren't growing up as a kid, maybe you tracked along with the story of a, of a young girl, and she had pieces of this world, yet she knew she lacked something tangible that was in this world. And that thing that she lacked was, of course, feet. She didn't have feet. Do you, do you remember this story? Anyone, anyone remember, remember growing up watching, watching this story? I think we got an image here. Okay. Any, anyone remember watching that? You watched that story? Yeah, she... And uh, do, you, do you remember the song that she sang? You remember, look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think I'm the girl, the girl who has everything? I've got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. I've got who's it's and what's it's galore. You want things, thingamabobs? I've got 20. But who cares? No, not me. I want more. <laughs> I want more. That's the line that sticks with her. That's the one that you get passionate about when you sing out that line, right? Of, of <laughs> but it's, it sticks with us because she desired something that she didn't even really understand. She knew she wanted it but she didn't know what it was. And as Joe mentioned, we're in week three of our series, Close Encounters, and we're looking at the Holy Spirit and who is the Holy Spirit? Do we want the Holy Spirit? Do we want more of the Holy Spirit? And we get to week three here and we're into a message titled, We Need More Power. (laughs) And last week, we read the stories of how the disciples came to faith and, and they received the Holy Spirit. But then Jesus said, Now that you've received the Holy Spirit, wait for the Holy Spirit. And we're thinking, what's Jesus doing? Is he doing a backwards talking Yoda kind of thing saying, yes, you're you're getting it, but you need it and it doesn't make sense. And how can we receive that which we've already received? And it's really the mystery of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is what we're going to get into today, both in our morning service and you will not want to miss tonight uh, at the Mississauga campus. But let me level with you about, about Christianity, if, if you didn't know this. Our faith is based on a concept called an antinomy. And we, we studied this back when I was in Bible college. We studied antinomy. And we've got the descriptor up on the screen there. But it's, it's a contradictory between, statement b- between two apparently equally valid principles. Our entire faith is based on contradictions. Jesus came to earth and he was fully God, absolutely God, completely, 100%. Yet at the same time, the only way that he can pay the price for us was if he was fully human. So at the same time being a fully God, he was fully a human being. And we also believe that before time even started, even began, God existed. How does that happen? How does somebody, how does God exist before time began? We believe God is one incomplete, and we also believe that God is three, which is how we're studying the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, just like we saw last week, you still need to receive the Holy Spirit. And this is why nobody will ever be logic 
into faith in Christ because it isn't always logical. And this morning and tonight, we're going to teach on a topic that's actually going to require a bit of a brain leap, something beyond which we can fully comprehend 100%. We're going to ask you to take a leap in an antinomy. So for those of you who believe that one day the least will win a cup again, for those of you who believe that this is the year we're actually going to have a warm winter, and for those of you who believe that the traffic on the QEW will improve once the work at Jameson is complete, you've already done this. You already have a framework for believing in something that isn't necessarily logical or true. And so we're going to go into the scriptures and we're going to see how we can believe both to be true. And we're going to start in scripture. We're going to look at, at Jesus and Jesus' cousin, his name is John, and he, he foreshadowed the day when people would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we saw last week that in the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit came, it was for a very specific person, on a selected person, for a specific purpose. And then when Jesus came, we experienced the Holy Spirit through Christ. And this week, we're going to look at how the inclusive Pentecostal experience of Holy Spirit baptism brings us all there. So if you have your Bible, you're going to want to be hopping along with us. If you don't have a Bible, you can just slip up your hand, and one of our ushers will make sure you get a copy of the Bible to borrow. So just quickly slip up your hand. One of, your usher, one of the ushers will make sure you get a copy. You can, you can follow along on your version on your app. If you didn't notice this week, your app has been updated. And if you're, uh, if you're a Mac user, just, just update it, and uh, your, your app will, will, will be updated if you're a... Um, if you're a Samsung, I don't even know what the other kind is. If you're, if you're Android, if you're an Android user, you can just delete that app and, uh, and then you'll get, download a new version. But now you can fill in the blanks right on your app. So it's a real cool little upgrade and you don't have to be taking notes and emailing to yourself. So you may want to do that this morning, but not while I'm talking, of course. That would just be distracting. But we're going to go to Luke 3, I'm just kidding, Luke 3, 15 and 16, and we're going to see um, the prophecy of John. And you can turn there now. Why don't we stand as we, read, uh, as we read the scriptures this morning together. Luke 3, 15 and 16. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. They were wondering, maybe, maybe John is the one that we've had promised to us. And John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So Father, we pause our hearts for a moment before we get into your word and study your word. And we say, uh, just as in previous weeks, we lay aside all of our previous experiences, all of our previous understanding. God, it doesn't matter what our church background is. doesn't matter if we have faith, we don't have faith. doesn't matter what our understanding is. We want our minds to be open this morning by your word. And your word, you promised, gives us life, becomes life to us. So, so Jesus, teach us something new this morning. Give us fresh eyes to look at your word so that we would live the fullness of the promise that you have for us. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and, and find your seats. Now remember, what we, when we get to this point, this, this prophecy from John, there had not been a prophet in Israel for 400 years. God's spirit had been silent for four centuries. Think about this. And the very first thing that the Holy Spirit comes back onto the scene saying in almost, in almost 400 years or over 400 years says, I'm going to send a baptism of fire. And it was going to be a game changer for the way that people came to faith. And really it was going to be a game changer in the way that we participate with God in his mission on earth. 
And so what, what I just prayed is we're going to say, can we set aside what our experiences are? Can we set aside what our previous understanding is? Because we don't want our faith to be based on a church denomination or something that we've built up. We want our faith to be based in the Bible. And so what we're going to ask ourselves this morning as we relook at these scriptures or maybe look at them for the first time, we're going to ask ourselves this question. Have I experienced what God has promised? And that's the question we want us just to go, we're going to come back to it a couple times. But have I been living the faith that I've created or that I've, that I've experienced for myself? Or have I experienced everything that God has promised? And last week, we looked at how maybe some of us are content with an Old Testament kind of faith relationship with God, that we experience his presence when we come to church, and we experience his presence when we're connected with other people who have been filled with the Spirit, who have the Spirit on them, just like the prophets in the Old Testament. But we don't have to have that anymore. We don't, we're not limited to that. Once we've come to faith, once we've given our hearts to Christ, we've received the Holy Spirit. And then there's something more. There's that I want more line. And you've got to ask yourself, have I really experienced all that God has intended for me and my relationship with him today living in 2015? Because the moment that we encounter Christ, the moment we come to faith, we've seen that we receive his Spirit. But as we'll see today, there's something more that's promised. He promised us a second baptism, a baptism of fire. And if, if you follow theological circles, or if you follow churches, church history, you'll know that what I'm talking about, it's what Pentecostal churches call, the, the, not just Pentecostals, but, but what we would call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we are a Pentecostal church affiliated with other Pentecostal churches in Canada. And, and what makes it maybe a little different is that we believe that the Spirit of God baptizes us and prepares us for what we were created to do in the power that Jesus demonstrated for us while he was here on earth. And that's why we've been studying this. And in our history, in modern history, this belief has created separation and created division within Christianity. There's, there's feeling on one side maybe that there's this level that you can achieve if, if you experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit that others haven't. And it's almost we get, get into this feeling of is there a higher consciousness of being with God or, and it's led, to, it's led to arrogance. And that's led to sin because there, that's a sinful attitude pride and, and feeling like we've got a corner on the market. There is no higher level of Christianity. There is no higher experience. But then on the flip side, there's this resentment from those of, who have been opposed to this belief, partially that's been created by a Pentecostal arrogance. And I include myself in Pentecostalism. That's where I came to faith. But makes people want to reject what the normative experience was in the Bible because we don't want to align ourselves with a group of people that we feel have been misjudged and judgmental. But what we'll see here when we go to the scriptures is that it was never an, a divisive issue in the early church. It was what was normal, where they came up and they said, oh, you're a believer, so I assume you've been baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it was what was established by Peter, who was the head of the church. The Holy Spirit baptism was never divisive. It was never exclusionary. It was inclusive to everybody who said, I want to know Jesus. I want to come to faith in him. There were no brands of Christians. There were no denominations. To be Christian meant to be baptized both in water and by fire. The divisions we brought along with human insecurities. I was in Starbucks this week and I was preparing for this week and I was, and I, and I was thinking about it. Who's a Tim Hortons drinker? Who's a Starbucks drinker? 
Yeah, we could, see, and there you go, right there. There's this animosity right away, right, where we, where we feel. And what is it about Starbucks coffee drinkers that, that just turn Tim Hortons people out? What, what drives you crazy about Starbucks? Because Christians should hate, because they don't have Christmas on the red cup, right? What else? What else drives you crazy, Tim Hortons drinkers? What bugs you about Starbucks coffee and Starbucks drinkers? What's that? It's, it's, very, it's very expensive. Did you know that the coffee is 30 cents more per cup? Th- only 30 cents more per cup if, if, if you're buying coffee. Here's, and I started, I started thinking this. There's this wonderful, amazing af- uh, brew that you get at Starbucks. I was a Tim Hortons drinker for years and years because I wanted to save the 30 cents, quite honestly. And, and, then, and then I got in, and then when I started drinking black coffee, I, I realized there was like this higher understanding that came. Like, I, I can't... I can't drink. <laughs> I can't drink Tim Hortons anymore because it left me with this aftertaste, this acidity. That that star- and it's not only Starbucks, but there's there's certain coffee uh, coffee houses you go to, and the brew is a little more rich. It's a little less acidity, and it's um, just something that I that I enjoy a lot more than Tim Hortons. But what s- Tim Hortons drinkers really dislike about Starbucks is that is that attitude, right? It's that attitude where you walk in. Oh, you don't even know how to order here. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> A small is a tall, which is large, right? A medium is a grande, which is large. <laughs> and, and a large is a venti, which is also large. And, and you, you get all this judgment, and there's these boards, and you're kind of lost, and you can't figure out where it is, and you've got people ordering half-calf, decaf, half-sweetened with a little bit of extra room, and they've got all these massive egos that come in when you get... You can't stand there, so you're just like, I'm not even going into that store. I know Andrew doesn't go in because he's like, they don't put the cream and sugar in for you, right? Lazy baristas <laughs> at Starbucks... You can't even order what you want. <laughs> We've had this conversation. It's, <laughs> it's not the coffee that you don't like. It's the people and what they've done to it that you don't like. Because if you get, if you get a, a Tim Hortons dark roast, it's more, it's more uh, full and rich than it is with a Starbucks blonde roast. It's not the coffee. It's the experience that people have created. And I look at this, we create division. And in the church, we've created division. This amazing experience that was for every believer. Everybody that wanted to, to come to Christ was offered this experience of baptism by fire. It was, was prophesied by John. And we've created division. And it's like, I don't even want to go there because of what I've experienced in churches. And that's why it's so key this morning as we get into the text to say, I'm laying that all aside. I'm not going to let what I've experienced in a church, what somebody's told me about it, I'm not going to let any of that influence. I'm just going to go right into the word and say, God, have I experienced what you have promised me, okay? So why, why don't we go there, and we're going to look at three different experiences. You can take out a pen, and you can fill in your blanks. Uh, if you're a pen and paper kind of person, it's there in your bulletin. If not, you can fill it in online. I've been yakking for 10 minutes. I know you've downloaded it by now, so you can just fill it in on your app. And the first one there is the disciples. They had been following Jesus around for three years around. The, he's he'd been their teacher. He's tracking with them. And at one point, he sends them out to pray and to preach and to minister to people. And it's in Luke chapter 9. And he gives them this 
power. And they had this momentary experience of being what it was like to be filled with the Spirit. And they absolutely could not believe what happened, the difference. You're, you're going to want to read it at home this week or you'll look at it in your CLG groups. But they prayed for people and people were healed. So people that were sick, they walked up and they prayed and all of a sudden they weren't sick anymore. And there were people that had no reason to believe in Jesus who were coming to faith in Jesus. These were people that were so ingrained in their life and their doctrine and their own theology. And then all of a sudden they came to Jesus when the disciples went out and worked with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's an amazing, unbelievable experience that we would all want to have. And they come back to Jesus. They're all pumped up. They're excited like little kids waiting to report about what they have done. And then you get into Luke chapter 9. It's this amazing chapter where, where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And he had looked at the disciples and said, well, well, you guys go and feed them. And they couldn't figure out how to do that because they weren't ready to re- maybe to embrace the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And then later on in the chapter, Jesus correctly identifies Jesus as God's son. This is the first time anyone had ever said, I believe you're the Messiah. I believe you're God's son. And then they have this amazing moment on the mountain where Jesus reveals his glory to his closest friends. And there's, they see the spirits of Moses and Elijah and Jesus are there. What an unbelievable experience that's all in Luke chapter 9. Go ahead and read it this week when you have some time. But Jesus was indicating, guys, my closest friends, this is only a taste of what I have for you. This is just the beginning. This is what you could be experiencing, this closeness with me, these miracles that are happening. And so just before Jesus goes back up to heaven, we see in Acts 1 and 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. And when Jesus says these words to his disciples, they go, Luke 9, I remember this. I remember when he gave us power and miracles happened. I remember when he gave us power and my fr- their friends, the strangers even, people who had no business coming to faith in Jesus, came to faith in Jesus. And so when he says this, they go, we want that. We're not going anywhere until we have that. They had, been, they had participated in it. They had been witness to Jesus doing it. And they understood that the Holy Spirit was to be a part of their regular experience so that they could go out and help people find their way back to God. And even so, they were believers. And remember last week, Jesus had breathed on them and they had received the Holy Spirit. And then he gave them the instruction, now go and wait for more of the Holy Spirit. And they understood it because they'd had that experience. So then when we get to Acts chapter two, we fast forward a little bit. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. How cool is it that God made sure his disciples would have recognized that this was the fulfillment that John prophesied, the one that we read at the beginning, our key text, when he said, he will baptize you with fire. And then he said, go wait for the Holy Spirit and little tongues of fire come. Now I have to admit, that's not our regular, regular experience that we see people with little fire tongues on top of their head. We're not going to have a service tonight and just say, God, send little tongues of fire. We're not seeing in the rest of the Bible that there's little tongues of fire coming out. But what we do see 
in the rest of the New Testament is that when people were filled with the Spirit, something visible happened that other people recognized that people were filled with the Spirit. In almost every case in the New Testament, it says they spoke in other tongues. In other cases, we just know that there was something visible that happened that other people saw. And Jesus' closest friends who knew him the best who already had the Holy Spirit because they were believers, said, I want more. They wanted something else. They were the little mermaid. They were part of that. Now, it wasn't only the disciples who wanted that same experience. In fact, the entire church, that's your second blank there. The entire church wanted this experience. There was a man named Saul who hated Christians. He worked against Christians. If you know his story, he even oversaw the killing of Christians and was active against persecuting them. He experiences the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And actually, it was his Holy Spirit baptism which convinced the disciples that he was legitimately a Christ follower and a different person. And, and uh, Saul, go, Saul, whose name we know as Paul, goes into Asia, and he's, he's from, the, from the Middle East. Um, there were people who had become believers, and let's read about their experience in Acts 19. He says, When Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. So we're going into Asia here. And there he found some disciples and said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now that's, if, if we believe there's not a second experience, why would Paul ask that question? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, what baptism did you receive? So it, it's very normative for Paul to say, it's more than just being baptized in water. Because here's their response. John's baptism, John the Baptist, right? They replied, and Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Very clear picture of how even when we go outside of, of the Jewish culture, they were going to be baptized for repentance and they believed and they received the Holy Spirit and then they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we point towards this should be part of our regular experience. This should be part of anyone who's coming to faith in Christ. You were believed, you, you, you confessed Christ and you were baptized? Awesome. Which baptism? Water? Cool. Did you know that there was a baptism of water and fire? No? Let's make it happen. That's, <laughs> that's what we see in this story here. The Holy Spirit baptism was normal. And there were Jews who were God's insiders. What about Gentiles, the ones who were more felt like outsiders to the church? Because every people in here this morning, you would feel like, you know, I'm not really a part of a church. I'm kind of starting to believe in Jesus, but I'm not an insider, really. So I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't really think that it's in for me. Can we just finish this so I can have some coffee and go home? Well, let's take a look at this. It was, there was this issue of inside and outside, and for, for 4,000 years, the only people who were following God were Jewish people. It wasn't a racist issue. It was that they were God's people. They were the only ones following him. And so it was very natural for Jewish people to think, well, water baptism, now that John had instituted this and Jesus had been baptized, that's got to be just for Jewish people. So maybe the Holy Spirit baptism is just for Jewish people. It was very natural for Peter to maybe assume this as he's establishing this new church. But actually, the very fact that Gentiles, those who felt were outside of the church, 
the very fact that they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit was the convincing evidence for all the Jewish people. Well, this is what Jesus was talking about. You're going to go into all the world, and that, that's Samaria. Those were people that they would have thought, you're outsiders. The ends of the earth, you're outsiders. Let's look at it in Acts 11, 16, and 17. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So God gave them, the outsiders, the Gentiles, the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I to think, I, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? What a powerful statement coming out, of, coming out of Peter's mouth. That Who was I to stand in the way that anyone should receive this? This isn't for people in church, out of church. This is for anyone who believes in Jesus. And wherever the church went, wherever it spread, it, people regularly experienced baptisms, baptism in water to repent and believe in Jesus, and then a baptism of fire to receive God's spirit and be filled even more. And after a few centuries of this, Here's the sad thing. The church became okay with the initial experience, the first experience, just the repentance part. And it means you receive God's spirit. It's salvation. It it means we'll go to heaven. It means we have God's spirit with us. This is what Jesus came preaching. This is the faith that people experienced while Jesus was on earth. But it's not everything that God had promised us. And actually for a long time of the church's history, almost 1,500 years, this is the kind of experience that the church went forward with. And the church still thrived and people still had relationship with him. But we see that is a, a ma- if I went to Pentecostal Bible College and we, we had like whole studies on this. And we, in, in early 1900, there was, there was a, a man by the name of Charles Parham and he was a Bible school teacher. And he gave his students an assignment over Christmas. So he's a mean teacher. That's what we take from that. <laughs> And he said, I want you to just study the Bible and tell me what the Holy Spirit baptism is and what it looked like and how it, he just, he's doing what we're doing in these past few weeks saying, just go to the Bible and look at what God promised. And so the students got together. Apparently it was a group assignment. They were lazy. They didn't want to do it on their own. And they got together and they decided that the Holy Spirit baptism, it never talked about it just for a period of time. It was for a long period. It was, it was for the church. And that it was always evidenced by tongues or something visibly or audibly happening so that people could see. So over Christmas, this group of students decided, we're not going to be okay with what the church has taught us or what my experience has taught us. We're going to go to what scripture says and make sure that we're aligned. And they began to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is back in the early 1900s. And all of a sudden, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues. And it goes all over. It goes into Southern California. And they have these big services where people are being filled with the Spirit. It came up into Canada. It actually originated right in the Toronto area. Kind of spread out across. To the point today where Pentecostalism, the Pentecostal experience, being filled with the Spirit, speaking in other tongues, is the number one growing religion, uh, evangelical Christianity religion right now worldwide. People are experiencing this worldwide, number one growing, except here in Canada in the West where there's some rivals, where we've made it a divisive issue. We've made it a cognitive problem that we say, I'm not sure I can buy into that because it doesn't always make logical sense. And the early church said, John prophesied about it. Jesus told us to wait we're just going to ask for it. We're just going to believe that this is normal. And we're just going to go forward with that. 
And the reason why we experience it is not for status. It doesn't create divisions in the church. It's not even for personal gain because we receive all we need the moment that we believe in Christ. You know what it's for? It's for our last fill in the blank. It's for the community so that the community would experience the drawing of God's spirit back to him. The community needs to hear that they need to find their way back to God. I want to look at three quick snapshots and our last point here as we close from Peter's life. If you know the Bible, you'll know that Peter had his ups and downs when he was following Jesus around Israel. He tried desperately to exert his faith. He believed. He confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, that God's son, but he failed so regularly. He stepped out onto the water because he believed, and then he lost his confidence, and he started to sink. When he was asked to feed 5,000 people in Luke chapter 9, he had no answer. He even had trouble... No. No, he fought against people when they said, are you a follower of Jesus? Remember when Jesus was arrested? If, if you know the Bible, they asked, are you a follower of Jesus? Weren't you one of the ones with him? He fought against them, swore at them, saying, it's not me, that's a different guy. You got us messed up. That's pre-Holy Spirit baptism, Peter. That's not pre-faith, Peter. That's pre-Holy Spirit baptism, Peter. Post-Holy Spirit baptism, Peter, is a very different dude. The first day that he experiences the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he stands up in front of the very same people that he was so afraid of who could have killed him, and he stands up, and instead of running away from them and swearing that he doesn't know Jesus, he says, indeed, I am a Christ follower, and you all killed him. And, you, and that was what was prophesied, and now he wants to forgive you, and you can experience the same thing that I, for, that I experienced. And 2,000 people gave their lives to Christ, believing in faith that day, post-Holy Spirit baptism, Peter, a very different person. There was a street beggar that asked Peter for money, and Peter claims to have no money. This was, remember, pre-Holy Spirit baptism, Peter, he's like, I can't feed 5,000 people, God can't provide He's got this same problem. Somebody's asking for food. He stops and he goes, you know what? I can't give you food, but here's what I can do. I can pray for you and you can be healed and you can know Jesus today. And this guy gets up and walks away. Peter was actually even the first disciple to go and meet with someone who was a non-Jew outside of the church, a man named Cornelius. And he prayed that he would be baptized both in fire and water. And Peter opens up the door to God's spirit and the gospel message going out all worldwide. And it all happens as a result when he's baptized in the Holy Spirit. And as we studied the last few weeks, the purpose of the Holy Spirit has been and always will be to draw people back to God. That's why we're filled. We're filled to go and be a part of his mission. We're filled to go and work in the power, rely on his power to share the amazing news that he has for our community. And when Peter gets in front of other people, I love this. This is Acts chapter 4, 13. So this is Peter, the last quick snapshot of his life. He's speaking in front of the religious authorities who didn't believe, who promoted another kind of faith. Judaism, the, the faith that they had been, the, the religion they had been um, moving forward with for thousands of years. Here's what they said. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Wow. Wouldn't that be amazing if you and I could go out into the, into the community and go, people in the community who have no reason to believe in Jesus, no context for what faith is, and say, I don't, I don't know what's going on. But that girl's been with Jesus. <laughs> that girl's different. That something's happening.
Heather's going to return for a moment here. And here's what we're proposing. If this was the regular experience of the people who knew Jesus the best, the people who established the church, the people who lived their lives directly after Jesus lived, and they were trying to model the life that he lived, why would we want to do it any other way? Have I experienced what God has promised me? It's a question to ask yourself this morning. We didn't create this series because we want the PAOC to be the fastest growing denomination in Canada. We didn't create this series because we want our church to be the biggest church in town. We created this series because we believe that this is what the Bible teaches. And if you're a follower of Christ, he wants you to experience it. Acts 2, 38 and 39, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. This is him speaking to everybody on that, that first message he spoke. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This is the promise for us. Have I experienced everything that God promised for me? Now listen, you need to be in church tonight. I don't know what you're doing, but cancel it. Get to church. Tonight we're going to have, Pastor Doug's going to share a short message and looking a little deeper into even what the baptism is because we know this is a jump. This is not a logical thing, but it's what God promised us. And then we're just going to worship and pray. And we're going to believe that that God's going to fill people with the Holy Spirit that he's never, in a more way. Not to say that you don't have the Holy Spirit. We know you have the Holy Spirit if you're a follower in Christ. And if you're not a believer in Christ this morning, you can receive the Holy Spirit right now in a moment. We're going to pray with you. But tonight we're going to believe that we are going to experience everything that God has promised for us. So just in a quiet moment of reflection, Heather's going to lead us in a song. And I'm just going to ask you to do a little bit of self-searching this morning. And say, Lord, is there anything more that you have for me? And then I'll come back and we'll close. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord, oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord, by your presence, Lord, there's nothing worth more that will ever come close nothing can compare you're our living hope your presence 
I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone by your presence, Lord, and Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Oh, your presence, Lord. Would you stand with me? And regardless of where you are in your faith, in your walk with God this morning, you may have no faith. You may have been believing in God for a number of years. If you're open to experiencing everything God has for you, everything God has promised for you, I'm just going to ask you as an act of belief, an act of submission, just we're going to close our eyes and just open our hands up like this, palms up. And this could be the first time you've done it. It could be the thousandth time you do it. Let's just do it together. And Jesus, we believe that you are God's son. And we believe that you came down so that we would have closeness with you. Thank you so much for coming. And thank you for securing our future forever with you in heaven. We confess that uh, we couldn't get there without the sacrifice you made. So thank you, Lord. And I receive your forgiveness today, indicated by my, my hands open up like this. But Jesus, I know that there, are, I know my, who my neighbors are, and I know who my family is. And I know that nothing short of a miracle will help them understand the same thing, because They've already made a decision for themselves, Lord. They've already decided what life's about and what God's about. So Holy Spirit, right now, we ask that you empower each one of us, baptize us with fire so that we could go and participate in the greatest mission that has ever been set out, to go and share the good news of forgiveness to the world because, Lord, we need it. So right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would fall on us as we stand here with open hearts and open hands. Holy Spirit, come and baptize us with fire for the purpose of going out and doing what you called us to do, being who you've called us to be. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thankful, thank you for your faithfulness thankful for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. God, thank you for challenging us from your word. Lord, I pray that we always have soft hearts, open minds, so that we would never stop growing, never stop learning, and always going out in the power that you've called us to go out in, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Ask us all in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.